It's Monday, March the 7th, 2016. In Dublin, political parties are struggling to form a government after a general election. The death has just been announced of Supreme Court Justice Adrian Hardiman and the city is still shocked by the murder of Kinahan gang member David Byrne at a packed boxing event in the Regency Hotel. Jared the Monk Hutch and former Sinn Féin councillor Jonathan Dowdle jump in a car and drive north up the M1, heading for the border. They're unaware their car has been bugged by the Gardaí. The conversation between the two men on that journey is now at the centre of a dramatic trial at the Special Criminal Court. So we're listening to this recording of Mr Hutch telling Dowdle that cops are going around like headless chickens and that loads of F-ups have been made in the aftermath of the murder of Mr Byrne. We have a real insight into what was going on in their heads at the time in 2016 and the whole fallout from the feud. The tapes are shocking, but lawyers for Gerard Hutch are fighting to exclude them from the trial. This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Aideen Finnegan. Today, with court reporter Alison O'Riordan, we catch you up on what's been happening at the Regency trial. Alison O'Riordan, you're covering the Regency murder trial for the Irish Times and it's obviously been running for six weeks and you've been down there, so you're following it very closely. Maybe the rest of us are just getting the headlines every now and again. So just to kind of bring us up to speed, people will obviously know Gerard the Monk Hutch is on trial, but there are actually three people in the dock. Will you remind us who they are and what the charges are? Yes, so 59-year-old Gerard Hutch, he's charged with murdering Kinahan gang member David Byrne during a boxing weigh-in at the Regency Hotel in Whitehall on February 5th, 2016. And then Mr. Hutch's two co-accused, they're Paul Murphy from Swords and Jason Bonney of Port Marnock. They're also standing trial alongside Mr. Hutch. And they've both pleaded not guilty to participating in the murder of Mr. Byrne at the Regency by providing access to individual motor vehicles. So I don't know if um, the listeners will be familiar, but a silver Ford Transit van containing six people left the Regency Hotel after the shooting, including three persons dressed in tactical guard clothing. And then the raiders made good their escape by using a number of parked vehicles at St. Vincent's GAA Club. And it's the state's case that an integral part of the operation which led to Mr. Byrne's death was the means by which this tactical team escaped from the Gaelic grounds that day. And that is, what the prosecution say, is central to the case of Mr. Hutch's two accused, Mr. Bonnie and Mr. Murphy. Jonathan Dowdall is another name that's kind of closely associated with the trial and we'll we'll sort of get to him later. But uh, just before it began, he pleaded guilty to the lesser charge of facilitating the murder of David Byrne. And we learned he would give evidence as a witness. But do we know when he's due to testify? Yes, Dowdle, now the state's witness, his testimony is imminent. And aside from the audio recordings, which we heard over three days this week, which I'll come back to later, Dowdle is really the other plank of the prosecution case. He is from the Navan Road in Cabra and he was due to stand trial for Mr. Burns' murder alongside Mr. Hutch, but he pleaded guilty in advance of the trial to a lesser charge of facilitating the Hutch gang. So the former Dublin councillor, he's been jailed by the Special Criminal Court for four years. 
um, as you said, and we were told in October at a sentence hearing that he was being assessed for the witness protection program after agreeing to testify against his former co-accused, Mr. Hutch. This significant witness, he's due to testify in the coming days. The court will only hear from him after legal argument on the current issue of whether the audio recording of conversations between Dowdle and Mr. Hutch, which were captured on a bugging device, are admissible. But the three judges, they have been told that a ruling is required on the audio recording before the case can move forward. So it's likely not to be until the end of this week or more likely the week after before Dowdle takes the stand. Okay, and who else has been in the witness box so far? Yeah, we've had a wide variety. We've had everyone from the former president of the Boxing Union of Ireland to newspaper photographers who were present at the Regency Hotel that day when Mr. Byrne was shot, to ballistic experts who examined the bullet cases found at the murder scene, to Gardaí who later recovered the three AK-47 assault rifles used in the attack. And then there's also been a vast amount of national surveillance officers 27, I think, um, to date, who were tracking the movements of Mr. Hutch and Dowdle in the days and weeks after the shooting. They've also given evidence and where the court ruled in their, in their case that during their testimony that the public would be excluded. OK, so those members of the National Surveillance Unit, they are in the court. It's just everyone else is excluded and that's to protect their identity. Yes, that's and their methodology and their trade craft. So everyone's asked to leave the court apart from the journalists, the legal teams and obviously the judges. So as I mentioned, the, the, it, the trial is running since the 18th of October. So a huge amount has been covered, but maybe you might be able to give us a roundup or a sort of a summary of the, the big things we've learned so far. Yes, Aileen. So we were told in the prosecution's opening that Mr. Hutch had told Dowdle that he was one of the team that murdered Kinnahan gang member David Byrne at the Regency. It's the prosecution's case that this deliberate killing was carried out without restraint by a group of people of whom they say Mr. Hutch was one. We've heard from retired deputy state pathologist that Mr. Burns' post-mortem showed that he ca- suffered catastrophic injuries and that he received six gunshot wounds from a high-velocity weapon. A lot of time was spent viewing CCTV evidence to the court of the moments before and after Mr. Byrne was shot dead. We've seen footage of six people, including a man wearing a wig and a man wearing a flat cap who were seen running down a lane beside St. Vincent's Gaelic grounds nine minutes after the shooting. There's also been CCTV footage shown and uh, that includes what the state say was Mr. Hutch making two separate journeys to Northern Ireland with Dowdle just weeks after the murder. And it was one of those journeys that the recording was made of the two men by the Garthi. We've also had um, a senior Garda. He gave evidence that the Hutch criminal organisation emanates from intergenerational familial bonds and close family associations and it operates in a patriarchal system of loyalty based on monetary gains. This was important evidence as it's the first time that evidence has been given in an Irish court about the existence of the Hutch criminal organisation, its structure and makeup. So the officer said that the Hutch organisation, it's very fluid and its affiliates can work together, operate independently or with other criminal organisations. 
Then we've also heard about a Ford key seen hanging on a rack in the home of Patrick Hutch Sr. That's the brother of murder accused Mr. Jared Hutch and that it was not seized by Guardi in error during a first search of the house at Champions Avenue weeks after the murder. So Guardi failed to find the key during a second search two days later. And just in, in context, it was outlined in the warrant that the culprits involved in the Regency Hotel had used a Ford Transit van to transport the assailants to and from the hotel. And then finally, we've also heard that a search warrant was obtained for Dowdell's house on the basis that firearms and explosives were being stored there on behalf of the IRA. And the inspector who gave evidence, he said the warrant was executed on Dowdell's house an hour after the three AK-47s assault rifles were seized in March 2016. They had been recovered by Gardy in the boot of a convicted IRA member's car. Okay. So those are the major points, I suppose, from the last six weeks. But then in the last 10 days, it seemed to get pretty dramatic. I mean, there were sensational headlines splashed all over the papers. And I saw crime reporters tweeting about, you know, this is an extraordinary day in the special criminal court and, you know, proverbial bombshells have been dropped. And it all seemingly related to these hours of recordings gleaned by bugging Jonathan Dowdle's car. And first of all, there's the recordings themselves, because the tracker data appeared to have been destroyed, but was found again. So what was the whole story there? Can you take us through that? Yeah, so a tracker device that was put on the outside of Dowdle's Toyota Land Cruiser by the Garda National Surveillance Unit, which was to track the movements of the Jeep in live time. And we were told that the tracking device was in place when the Jeep carrying Dowdle and Mr. Hutch travelled north to Northern Ireland on February 20th and March 7th, 2016. So then we learned that an audio device or a bug was placed inside the car on a date after February 17th, which exclusively captured conversations within the vehicle between the two men during that second journey. But what has taken up a lot of the trial's time Um, last week was when the defence was told that all records from a tracking device placed on Dowdle's vehicle by Gardaí were destroyed before the Regency Hotel murder trial began last month. We'd senior counsel Brendan Grehan defending Mr Hutch. He said that disturbingly the notes were destroyed after his client was arrested and charged with the murder of Mr Byrne. He said that the destruction of these records was a real problem and he didn't accept the state's assertion that it was done in accordance with the Criminal Justice Surveillance Act 2009. So the court had heard that the records were stored by Gardaí for six years, but their destruction was only authorised on February 7th of this year. So then we had the former head of the NSU. He was called to give evidence and he told the trial under intense and lengthy cross-examination that he had not consulted the senior investigating officer on the Regency Hotel murder trial or the DPP when he destroyed the records from the tracker device as he didn't believe the records would be used in this prosecution. However, a week later, the judges were told that Gardy had in fact recovered the records which were believed to have been destroyed. Wow. So miraculously, What was lost was now found. And then since then, we've had the 10 hours of recordings between Mr. Hutch and Dowdle that were captured by a Garda bugging device on March 7th that they've been played to the court um, last week over three days where we heard the pair discuss a wide variety of topics, including politics and celebrities such as Imelda May to the death of Supreme Court Judge Adrian Hardiman. (laughs) 
Coming up, what exactly was caught on tape when Jonathan Dowdall and Jared Hutch travelled up north together? Special Criminal Court has decided it will listen to audio recordings of conversations between Gerard Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall, which Gardaí made when they bugged the former Sinn Féin councillor's jeep. Okay, so I know there's a problem with the admissibility of those tapes and we'll come back to that, but let's have a look at what the recordings themselves say. So you mentioned there everything from politics to celebrities, uh, but this is there's 10 hours of stuff here, isn't there? So they covered quite a lot of ground. Yeah, it took three days to hear them. So the audio recordings of the conversation, it was when Dowdle was driving Mr. Hutch to Northern Ireland for an alleged meeting what the prosecution say were Republicans in the aftermath of the Regency attack. So the prosecution's case is that Mr. Hutch had asked Dowdell to arrange a meeting with his provisional Republican contacts to mediate or like resolve the Hutchkinahan feud due to the threats against Mr. Hutch's family and friends. And they travelled up together to meet the distance Republicans also referred to in the recording as Contos or the Continuity IRA. So one hears Dowdell in the recordings. He's kind of acting like an an intimate advisor or conciliar to Hutch. Dowdle, he seems uncomfortable with silence. So he's constantly rambling and rabbiting on and telling stories and bigging himself up with people from his past. There's some very amusing parts as well as music is being played. And when the song Missing by UK duo Everything But The Girl came on the Jeep's radio, Mr. Hutch laughs and he says, get too ease, will you? While Dowdle replies, <laughs> they were good days then. Then they break into convulsions of laughter on many occasions, not to mention when Hutch describes himself as the million dollar man, when they both talk about a million dollar bounty on Mr. Hutch's head, which Mr. Hutch said he'd read about in the newspaper. So they're having fun as well on this trip. And even Mary Wilson's drive time, that can be heard in the background. And when the news headlines are played, Sean Galan, who was currently prosecuting this case, he's referenced in a court report in that bulletin. Defence counsel Sean Galan said on the day David Ryan was out of it and completely oblivious to the panic he had caused. So what was the nature of the conversation then? Because I believe they, you know, they did talk about their peers and they were sort of talking about the Kinnahans and the Regency attack itself. Yeah, so the main um, things that came out. So we heard Mr. Hutch tell Dowdle that not even the six people involved in the Regency attack knew who the si- know who the six people are. So as I said earlier, um, Mr. Byrne was killed when armed raiders stormed the hotel and there was three um, people disguised as E.R.U. Gardi, along with a gunman dressed as a woman in a blonde wig and another man in a flat cap. And then a sixth person drove the van that took them to and from the scene. So that's the six people there that's referenced. Then we had Mr. Hutch tell Dowdle that Daniel Kinahan looked in a heap from photographs he'd seen in a newspaper after the Regency attack and that the cops were going around like headless chickens. We also heard Mr. Hutch tell Dowdle about throwing these three yokes up there as a present. And that's what the prosecution has said is a reference to giving the three assault rifles used in the Regency shooting to Republicans in the North. 
and Dowdle tells Mr Hutch that the accused's best move was the particular yokes used. In the recording, Dowdle says, and do you know what the best move you did was? I know it's a small thing. I don't know if you thought of it, Jared, at the time. I certainly didn't. But the best thing that happened was the particular yokes that was used. That in itself made some effing statement. And Mr. Hutch replied, ah, massive statements. And he later says, Mr. Hutch, that anyone with cop on would know immediately that cops don't use them in reference to the assault rifles. Then we have the accused telling Dowdle that it's very hard to get involved with the Kinnahans are concerned because if it doesn't work the messenger gets it and that he was not going to show a weak hand and go looking for peace. Dowdle brought up Bomber Kavanagh who's the senior who was a senior member of the Kinnahan organized crime group and said he was getting lashed out of it in the newspaper to which Mr Hutch said you see them all with the bleeding sunglasses and called it embarrassing. Okay. And then on the flip side, we kind of see a maturity and compassion around killings from Mr. Hutch, who says he's no time for assassins and that his mission is to find another way other than war and to make peace. He feels he can't do it himself and he needs the Northern Command to stand there to kind of act as a type of big brother to ensure the Kinnahans would agree to a deal and honour it. And at one stage, Mr Hutch is worried that the Republicans might kind of play both sides of the coin and Dowdle is constantly reassuring him that this wouldn't happen. So Mr Hutch, he was clearly worried about what was to come and in, in hindsight, his concerns were justifiable as the bloody feud between the Kinnahan and the Hutch gang was still to come. And then we also heard the two men discuss IRA killer Pierce McCauley and Mr Hutch can be heard telling Dowdle that him and Pierce go back a bit and Dowdle tells Hutch that he's friends with Pierce and um, Pierce would ring them and all if you want, Jared. Then in another clip, we heard the court heard Dowdle talking about the components for a bomb and he instructs Mr Hutch on how to make a bomb and how detonators work. And then Dowdle talked about how Sinn Féin would be stupid not to go into coalition and they can't sit back and throw their toys out of the pram. And Dowdle also references that Ono Brin is very good and that he was the one that made a stand. They also discussed the singer Imelda May, who Mr. Hutch said he liked. She's mad as a bleeding brush, said Dowdle. (laughs) And then we also hear Dowdle criticising Sinn Féin party leader Mary Lou MacDonald for not attending the recent funeral of murdered man Edward Neddy Hutch. That's the accused brother. Dowdle says to Mr. Hutch, but you were good enough to use Jared for votes. You were good enough to use for money. So Mr. Dowdle is also saying Miss MacDonald should have stated it was true that George so-called monk was involved in drugs. So then on the final day of the tapes, we heard Mr. Hutch tell Dowdle that the Kinnahan cartel that wanted to be the biggest gang in Europe. And Dowdle says, it seemed to me they're just blinded by greed and they're willing to overlook everything for money. And Mr. Hutch replies, it's a bit of power as well, not just the money, it's just the bleeding power. So, and then finally, notably, Dowdle told, told Hutch, Mr. Hutch in the recording, Jared, I'm in this with you to the bleeding death. And that's ironic considering what we know is to come. Mm. 
The Fianna Fáil leader met with the Independent Alliance in Leinster House this afternoon. These efforts continuing by both him and the Fine Gael leader to garner enough support... Alison, that political chat in the car is very interesting because if any of us can bring ourselves back to that around that time in 2016, that was just after the general election. And it, there was difficulty forming a government. Eventually it went on to being Fine Gael and a load of independents. You know, we had Independent Minister for Transport Shane Ross, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's very interesting to hear the two men. They're discussing politics and Fianna Fáil and, and Fine Gael. And Dowdle says that Sinn Féin are nearly big enough. And Dowdle talks about how Sinn Féin will be stupid not to go into coalition. And Mr Hutch says that you have to go with what's in the best interest of the country, not what's in the interest of your party. And Dowdle says it's easy for Sinn Féin to sit back like Labour and say that's wrong. Yeah, and that's interesting too, because obviously... Jonathan Dowdall was a former Sinn Féin councillor, so he was in the party for a little while. He had left at this stage, but he was kind of speaking a bit as an insider there. It was an interesting aside. So that's all pretty explosive stuff. I, I could see where those headlines came from. And, and of course, you know, if anyone had their, their conversation played back to them a couple of years later, like you'd probably be surprised what, what, what came out. Nothing to that effect, I'm sure. But obviously the defence is challenging the admissibility of the vast majority of these recordings. Yes, so the defence's core argument in this is that the state was acting illegally when they continued to use the bugging device after it travelled to Northern Ireland. Their position is that the state can't be allowed to benefit from its own illegality and the fruits of the harvest should not be admitted into the trial. So Mr Gretton, he's arguing that Dowdle's Toyota Land Cruiser Jeep was outside the state in Northern Northern Ireland for eight hours that day and that the Criminal Justice Surveillance Act is as clear as it can be that authorisation for a surveillance device can only apply within the state. So he has completed his submissions yesterday to the three-judge court on why the secret audio recordings which the state say is part of their case and it is inadmissible. And then Sean Galan, he will respond to Mr. Gretton's arguments today, Monday, before the three judges rule on the admissibility of his contents, having regard to the extraterritorial issue. And then at the end of the week, we hope to hear from Dowdle. Okay, so if the tapes are ruled inadmissible, there's only an hour, I suppose, from the point where they left Dublin to travel to the border and those conversations can be allowed into evidence? Yeah, so then you'd be missing out in a large chunk of the conversation. You'd lose eight of the 10 hours and only two of the hours would be admitted. Interesting. Okay. I'm sure, Alison, this is going to be a very interesting, another very interesting week down the special criminal court, especially if we get to hear from Jonathan Dowdall by the end of the week. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. That's it for today. This episode of In the News was produced by Declan Conlon. We'll be back on Wednesday.